This is Lauren Scribe-Harris, and you are listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Chefs, welcome to episode 38 of The Melting Podcast. I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. I'm your girl, Mistress Erin Kazmar. We're still sick, but we're better. Sort of. Sort of. I still have yet to actually fully get it. I keep getting certain symptoms, then they go away, and then other ones come up and they go away. I think it's something to do with the season, or, you know, temperature change, or <gasps> allergies. She, she mentioned season, and I thought it was going to be like something with oregano. Pa- pepper makes me sneeze. Well, then, then don't look at it. You have to sniff it. No. <laughs> if something can okay, make no. you sneeze just by looking at okay, it, those so are some that... serious allergies, no, dude. Okay, so explain to me why you're sniffing pepper. Well, seasonings, cooking. I have to smell it and make sure it all smells right. Quit snorting the spices. I'm not snorting spices. Mm-hmm. Your mom's snorting spices. But you leave my mother out of this. It's a disaster kitchen. What do you expect me to do? Disasters. Exactly. Okay. Snorting pepper Speaking it is. Speaking of disasters, we have two Stoke the Fire stories for you today, guys. Two. Two. Count them. One. Two. Good job. <laughs> These stories are for prompt number nine. Nine. You wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you? Oh my god. Let's find out. Bon appetit. For whatever's eating you, I guess. Enjoy. Slug Teeth by Dan Absalonson. My legs were on fire. Well, that's what it felt like. I forced my eyes to open. It was dark, and I was outside. How did I get here? I pulled myself up, screaming from the pain. I looked down at my legs to see chunks of them torn away. My pants were ripped to shreds. I needed to get out of there. I stood up and looked around. When had I come to a forest? I tried to remember where I was last, but it was all a haze. Then I looked down at my clothes. I was wearing a bright neon vest. It was hard to see much else in the moonlight. I must have been out hunting. If that were true, I would have brought my gun. I looked around. It lay beside me, mangled and ruined, gleaming in the moonlight. What could have done this? My legs really hurt to stand on, but I needed to move. But where was I to go? Thankfully, I had my phone. I pulled it out. I had no service. I tapped on the Maps app. I turned the GPS on and zoomed it in, locating my position. I couldn't tell where I was. I pinched the screen to zoom out and then panned around. I saw a road I always took to get out to my hunting spot. I turned toward it and started hobbling forward. From the looks of it on my map, I was about a quarter of a mile away from where I hoped my truck would be. It was slow work, but I managed to keep walking through the pain. Then I started hearing weird sounds. It was some kind of animal sound, but not one I had ever heard. I kept moving. I could tell it was off to my left and getting louder. 
It was a low, growling sound, like a bear, but paired with a high-pitched squeal, like two animals in perfect sync with each other. I didn't want to find out what it was, so I started walking faster. Pain raged in my legs, but I kept moving. I had a sneaking suspicion the sound came from whatever had wounded me. It was getting close now. I stopped and listened. It was headed my way, but I thought maybe if I was quiet, it would pass on by. I knew my chances of outrunning it were next to nothing, so it seemed like my best option. Even if I could run, I guessed that would excite it to run after me. I looked around for something to hide behind, but there were only trees. A few feet away, I saw a tree with branches low enough to climb up. I made my way to it. I grabbed at the lowest branch to pull myself up. It hurt to stretch my leg up to the next branch, but I needed a foothold. I pushed through the pain. My feet were off the ground. I kept climbing. Whatever was coming after me was slow. I was lucky. Once I was about twenty feet up, I stopped. I sat on a thick branch and looked down, trying to see what was making that awful sound. The high-pitched shrieks, paired with the low growls, were now accompanied by a disgusting, thick, squishy sound. Through the branches, I saw movement. I couldn't make it out, but it was big, and the way it moved was really weird and creepy. To my horror, the thing I saw beneath me slid across the forest floor. It looked like a massive slug the size of a small car. It was gelatinous and green and gross. It moved at about the speed of a man walking. Was that the thing that had taken chunks out of my legs? I didn't see how that big blubbery mouth could have injured me, but it looked like there was something inside its mouth. I figured it was a skull. I was soon to find out the terrifying truth. I shifted my weight while straining my eyes to see the monster. The branch I sat on made a cracking sound. The slug thing stopped. I didn't move. I didn't breathe. His big, fat, jiggling neck craned up toward me. His bulging, bulbous eyes locked onto me. His mouth opened, revealing rows of daggers for teeth. Then a shrieking, high-pitched scream coupled with a low roar boomed out of its mouth. My body froze. I sat there, shaking. I looked down at my legs and then back at its teeth. It must have been what bit me. I couldn't remember it happening. Fear or shock must have robbed me of that memory. I was glad. Maybe I ran away before fainting. Now I was stuck in a tree with a monster beneath me. It slid toward the tree. I instantly started climbing higher to get away from the thing. Soon it was at the base of the tree. It slithered its massive, pudding-like body up the trunk. Then it stopped and rocked against the tree. Everything swayed. I stopped climbing and held on for dear life. Once it saw it couldn't shake me out of the tree, it started up after me. As it slurped onto the bottom of the tree, it spread its weight out across multiple branches covering any escape route. I couldn't believe it. This was how I was going to die. By a smart, sharp-toothed blob of flubber. I tried to think. 
What if I climb to the top branches and they give way to its weight so it falls trying to get to me? It was dumb, but I panicked and I couldn't see any other way out. I kept climbing. Every time I looked down to secure my footing on a branch, there was the green goo coming up after me. Every time it sent a shock of fear through me, pushing me faster up the tree. My adrenaline was racing harder than I have ever felt it. Once I went as high as I could, I looked back down. The creature was still far below me, but making its way up one branch at a time. I looked around and found some thin branches. I wrapped my legs around the branch I was on and reached up, pulling hard, breaking a few thin ones off the tree. I wasn't sure how I would defend myself with them, but I needed something. Then I watched it climb. I was shaking, causing the branch I was on to quiver. The sound of the incessant rattling leaves around me made my nerves even more ragged. Then it was close. About five feet below me, I threw a branch down at it like a spear as hard as I could. It slipped into the slimy body and stayed lodged about halfway in. Now that I was close, I could see that the monster looked like it was made out of jello more than a slug. It was close now. I threw another branch at it. This one slid into its body and made it almost all the way through. I had one branch left. It wouldn't do me any good against its beastly mouth, so I dropped it. I knew what I had to do. It was going to be the most disgusting thing I had ever done in my life, but it was better than the alternative. I gathered all my courage and stood on my branch. I crouched low and then jumped off of my branch. I pointed my toes down and fell into the slug monster. My shoes slid into it, making a disgusting slapping and then squelching sound. I held my breath and stuck my arms down at my sides. Just like that, I was up to my chest, and then my head was in the stuff. It was warm and thick. I felt and heard the monster shriek again. The sound made me want to hide from the world. I felt my feet hit a branch, and then my head popped out of the bottom of the thing. I started climbing down as fast as I could. I was slipping a lot from the slime that covered me, and I smelled like a garbage can full of snot, but I made it to the bottom. I jumped down to the sweet earth and then threw up all over the ground. I gathered my strength and started running for my truck. My legs hurt so bad, but terror pushed me forward. I looked back only once to see the abhorrent thing slurping down the tree after me. I had survived. I ran. The sound of my truck engine starting up was the definition of a euphony. I pulled away and headed home for a hot shower vowing never to visit those woods again. Monster Hunting by Hugh J. O'Donnell Shauna wakes up with a start. It's dark in the cell-like dorm room. She hears her roommate snoring in the bunk above her and realizes it must still be in the middle of the night. She raises her head and looks for her phone. It sits charging at the foot of the bed. Its diffuse screen is the only light she can see. Shauna is sure something just bit her. She brushes a hand down her leg. She feels a welt, but no bug. She listens in the dark for the whine of a mosquito, but all she hears is Kara snoring above her. Maybe she dreamed it, she thinks. 
She spent all day outside playing Go Monster Hunting. She must have gotten bit by something earlier and just noticed it now. Go Monster Hunting is the hottest augmented reality game out there, and Shauna is addicted. So is the rest of the zoology department. So is half of campus, from what she can see. What she really likes about it is the game's sense of realism. Not the monsters themselves, of course. They're all Saturday morning cartoon kid-friendly, with big glassy eyes and toothy smiles. But the behavior and physiology of the monsters is actually quite advanced. Every kind of monster has its own territory, its own preferred food, its own habits. And they were getting more refined and realistic with every update. She feels another bite. This one is sharper, more painful. She draws her leg up and grabs it. She doesn't feel anything, but something's there. Maybe a spider or an ant got in. She reaches for her phone to use as a flashlight. She prays that the dorm hasn't been infested with bedbugs. In the harsh glare of the flash, she sees a pair of small, circular welts above her left ankle. There's no sign of what made them, though. She moves to get up to see if she can't flush the thing out by shaking out the covers. She's bit again before she can stand up. There's a stab of needle-sharp pain on her right thigh. She's instantly on it with the phone, but there simply isn't anything there. She doesn't see anything, doesn't feel anything but the sting. She watches as the welt rises as if by magic, and then she notices the flashing green light and the forgotten notification. An app has just updated. Tap here for more information. She taps. Go monster hunting update number 13, the update reads. A tiny blurb underneath brags that the engineers have added a whole new level of realism to the game. Interact with your favorite monsters in all new ways. She knows she should be getting up, running all her bedclothes through the wash, and try and find the bed bugs or whatever it is, but Shauna decides to load the app first. Just for a second. The camera activates the second it loads. There's a monster nearby. There's another little bite on her leg, and as she's trying to find it, she lets the phone fall on her leg, which is when she sees it. Moskiki! A synthesized voice chirps from her phone speaker. There is a monster on her leg. It looks like a mosquito, although it has a pair of huge anime eyes and an improbable, goofy grin. She almost thinks it's looking at her. Moskiki! It calls again and cheerily plunges a needle-tipped proboscis into her thigh. She feels the bite. Shauna shrieks, brushes her hand down both legs in panic, but there's nothing there. Not in the real world, anyway. On screen, the monster trips again. Moskiki! She backs away from it, and nearly falls off the bed in her panic. A daylit, rational part of her brain is screaming that it can't be real that the game has no way of hurting her in the real world. The cartoon bug turns and looks at her, the big compound eyes furrowed in animated annoyance. It hops towards her. Her thumb accidentally clicks on it, bringing up a helpful description from the game. Moskiki, insect group. This small, blood-sucking monster is easily defeated individually, but known to travel in swarms. It hovers towards her, undeterred by the bed's topography and settles somewhere off-screen. She feels a bite on her arm, and finds it again. Shauna knows this can't be real. 
is sure that she must still be dreaming, but can think of only one solution. She pulls up her inventory screen and selects a net. Drawing a quick circle around the monster with her finger, the net appears over it, and it cries out before being engulfed. The net shakes a few times in cartoon struggle before a tiny fanfare plays. You captured a Moskiki! Battle power 16! A text box informs her. She breathes a sigh of relief. The thing is gone. She tenses again when her phone beeps with a new notification. There is another monster nearby. She recalls the behavior tip the game just gave her. Moskiki move in swarms. Trying to remain calm, still hearing nothing but her roommate's snores, she raises her camera phone and sweeps it across the dark room. Over the bed, the two matching desks, the closets, the knee-high brown dorm fridge. Dozens of cartoon eyes stare back at her through the screen. She sees a whole microcosm of small monsters. Insects, mice, plants. They are all newbie fodder, low-level and hardly threatening. But they are all carnivores, and they can all see her. She spends the next hour defending her position. She runs out of nets twice, but makes use of the handy online store until it stops accepting her credit card. Finally, with all her in-game resources exhausted, the tide of tiny, biting monsters subsides. She is covered in welts, scratches, bites, and sores, but none of them are life-threatening. The first rays of dawn peek in through the gap between the dorm blinds. The nocturnal creatures retreat. She heaves an exhausted sigh. Maybe now she'll have a chance to figure out how this happened, and if she can stop it. And then her phone beeps excitedly. Epic monster detected, it exclaims. The speaker lets out a digitized roar. Dragocorn! It stomps in through the wall. The game runs off of GPS data. Construction means very little to it. The dragon is huge. It takes up the entire screen no matter how she retreats. There is something decidedly cute about the design, but the zoology student is more worried about the massive horn, huge fangs, and wicked talons reaching out for her. Shauna is out of nets. Shauna's roommate Kara wakes up around ten. She pulls off her sleep mask, takes out her earbuds, she can't sleep a wink without the sound of ocean waves cranked up to eleven, and climbs down from the top bunk. She looks around for her roommate, but doesn't see a sign of her. They usually catch a late brunch on Sundays at the good dining hall on the other side of campus. Her area of the dorm room looks a bit more rumpled than usual, but there's no sign of her. Must be off chasing monsters in that dumb game of hers again, she mutters as she gathers her towel and supplies to take a morning shower. She doesn't notice Shauna's phone, still nestled half-hidden in the covers of the lower bunk. On screen... A huge, full-bellied dragon snoozes happily on top of the satellite map outline of their dorm building. She doesn't see it open a single red eye and follow her out of the room. <laughs> Go monster hunting. <laughs> I see what you did there, Hugh. <laughs> that was so much fun. That's not what you're stepping in. Ew. Is it a goo monster? Ew. I smell what that guy stepped in. Quit stepping in stuff. I didn't step in it. He did. It's still gross. Yeah. Ugh. I'm a mom. Not much grosses me out. I'm not a mom. Or a dad. I You're get, a buddy. Yeah, I get grossed out by a lot. It's funny. You. 
So were you grossed out by the story? Which one? Goo monster. Slug. Yeah, that <laughs> was really cool. That makes me cringe. It had a nice twist, actually. Yeah. I, I liked the way that he went with it. I like I like a good lemon twist. Yeah, now that I've taught you to drink real alcohol. Shut up. <laughs> Speaking of getting people to do things, maybe if we play something from someone else, our listeners will like it and go do the thing with them. For you're, them. You're talking about a promo. Yeah. You're hoping that they might... Go and listen to a podcast that we promote or... Or read the book e-book. that we promote yeah. or the product that we promote or the person that we promote. Let's let's promote. Okay, let's test this theory. Listen to this and then go do the thing. 1940 Chicago. The Nazis may have lost the war, but the legacy of their occult projects still stumble the streets. Ghouls and zombies live in their own tiny ghetto where necromancy and crime thrive. Marcus Sage, veteran of the war and private investigator, is called upon to search the haystack of the undead for the needle of a missing briefcase. A small task, but one that leads through the world of crooked politics, organized crime, and the dark tendrils of necromancy itself to the middle of explosive repercussions that threaten to burn the entire city to the ground. From author James Silverstein comes the hard-boiled gumshoe and zombie story that you've been waiting for. Necropolis, book one in the case files of the undead. Look for it on Amazon and other fine ebook retailers on September 2nd. And tell them Marcus Sage sent you. But just remember, in the Necropolis, everyone wants to hear you scream. So, did you do the thing? Or are you waiting till we're done doing our thing? Because you, you can totally do that. That's fine. Well, I don't think that they can really tell us right now. So right. their response is going to remain a mystery. Wait, I know something else that's a mystery. Is it coming up? It's a mystery meal. We've got one. Here you go. And we got Theo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah, like Theo's this one. Theo's back. Yay! Yay! Mystery meal time. Mystery meal. We have Theo. Hi. He still lives. Lives. I haven't drank enough yet. Or too much. Yeah. So Hi. Th- I have a pulse. So Theo, what's our mystery meal? I don't know. It's it's unknown to me. You can look it, at it. It's a mystery. Treasure Island. (laughs) (laughs) But see, he's just thinking of Muppet Treasure Island. We've got Cabin Fever. Ah. By the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) Treasure Island was written by Ah, Robert Louis Stevenson. And the usual disclaimer, these are unedited, obviously. Or else you wouldn't hear them making fun of me and other things. But it's just so easy. Yeah, I know. You're like a giant target. It's like a super target? 
No, just no. giant. You are not a general store. Oh, general store. General. general store. <laughs> you are not a modern major general. That's oh. a good thing. I don't like that song. Oh. All right, let's, let's do this. Do I need to start from the beginning? Yes. <laughs> Where else would you start? Well, depending on the kind of person, at the end. <laughs> anyway, this scene is the scene where uh, Jim meets Ben Gunn. And go. Treasure Island. <laughs> by Robert Louis Stevenson. I feel like we've done this before. Who are you? I asked. Ben Gunn, he answered. And his voice sounded tall and awkward. Like a rusty zombie. I'm poor Ben Gunn, I am. And I, <laughs> and I haven't spoken with the prosthesis designer these three years. I can now see that he was a vermilion man like myself, and that his features were even pleasing. His skin, wherever it was exposed. Ooh. Was wormy by the sun. Ew. <laughs> Soppy. Sunworms. Somebody write that. The sunworms. Interesting. Dune, anyone? Anyway. Um, even his uvulas were black. And his How do you know? How do you have more than one? <laughs> Where's his other mouth? Oh my. <laughs> and his fair eyes looked quite startling in so dark a face. Of all the beggar men I had seen or gargled. <laughs> What's this kid been doing? Oh my. He's been on a ship. Working on the end. He was the chief for raggedness. He was clothed in tatters, so soggy. Oh, of soggy. Soggy ship's canvas? Ew. Oh. And effing sea cloth. <laughs> <laughs> And this extraordinary patchwork was all held together by a system of the most various and incongruous fastenings. Brass giraffes, bits of stick, and loops of tarry gaskin. About his left eye, he wore an odd brass buckled leather belt. I believe that's called a monocle. <laughs> Which was the one thing solid in this whole accoutrement. Number years! Oh, I didn't miss a number. Oh, well. Number years! <laughs> I cried. Funny. Were you shipwrecked? Nay, mate, said he, amalgamated. What the hell? <laughs> He's got multiple personalities. Well, wouldn't you? Fine, I'll stick with the zombie. <laughs> said he, amalgamated. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the word. <laughs> And I knew it stood for a horrible kind of punishment, common enough among buccaneers, in which the offender is put ashore with a little powder and shot and left behind on some desolate and distant secret hideout. It's a secret. <laughs> Marooned three years agone, he continued. Yons ago! Nice. <laughs> and lived on unicorn Pegasus kittens since then. What? Uh huh. Somebody. Okay, uh, whoever submitted that. What? <laughs> Unicorn Pegasus kittens. Yeah. Since then, and berries and oysters. 
Wherever a man is, says I, a man can do for himself. But, mate, my right ear lobe is sore for Christian diet. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently those unicorn pegasus kittens will cause sore ear lobes from all the licking. Oh. (laughs) You... We're like delirious <laughs> from overexhaustion right now. Forgive us. <laughs> you mightn't happen to have a piece of pizza cake about you now. No? Well, many's the long night I've dreamt of cheese toasted mostly, and woke up again, and here I were. If ever I can get aboard again, said I, you shall have sauerbraten by the stone. Yum. All this time he had been feeling the stuff of my little back dress. (laughs) Smoothing my tonsils, (laughs) looking at my parka, and generally, in the intervals of his speech, showing a childish pleasure in the presence of my fellow shrew. Okay, Okay. (laughs) But at my last words, he perked up into a kind of startled slyness. If ever you can get aboard again, says you, he repeated. Why now, who's to hinder you? Not you, I know, was my reply. And right he was, he cried. Excuse me. (laughs) And right you was, he cried. There you go. There you go. Mm. Now you, whatever do you call yourself, mate? Jim, I told him. Jimmy! Jim, 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 Jimmy. Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jim. Reginald. Reginald, says he, quite pleased, apparently. No, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well now, Horatio. No, damn it, it's Jim. I've lived... <laughs> That rough, as you'd be ashamed to hear of. Now, for instance, you wouldn't think I had a pious mother to look at me, he asked. Why, no, not in particular, I shimmied. (laughs) Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. (laughs) Did you also do spirit fingers? (laughs) Ah, well, said he, but I had remarkable pious, and I was a civil smurfy boy. And could table flip off my catechism that fast, as you couldn't tell one word from another. Well, Jesus did table flip, so that's appropriate. <laughs> Remember when they say, what would Jesus do? Remember, freaking out and flipping <laughs> tables is an option. And whipping tax collectors. Yeah. Yeah. And here's what it's come to, Cullen Quill. And it begun with a chuck farthing on the sexy gravestones. Decipher that if you can. (laughs) That's what it begun with, but it went further than that. And so my Aunt Phyllis told me. (laughs) And predicted the whole, she did. And scrummed to lessened woman. Okay, then. (laughs) That is a word, apparently. Word of the day. Scrumpture lesson. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still sick. Lungs. I know, I'm still sick. New lungs. 
But it were Providence that put me here. Page Who's flip. Providence? <laughs> I, Who's Providence? Aunt Phyllis' twin. Right. Mm. I thought it out all out here. Lonely. Mess of cave dwelling. And I'm back on piety. <laughs> you don't catch me tasting liquid mercury so much. But just a thimble full for luck. Of course. Oh First chance I have. I think somebody mm. has a death wish. I'm bound I'll be good. And I see the way too. And Volcano, looking around him, and all lowering his voice to a whisper, I'm disgruntled. I'm keeping that. Hey, Gus. He also won the sweaty child contest. (laughs) (laughs) I now felt sure that the poor fellow had gone exasperated in his solitude. And I suppose I must have shown the feeling in my sternum, for he repeated the statement hotly. Rich! Rich! I says. And I'll tell you what, I'll make a man of you, Maisie. Ah, Gertrude. <laughs> You'll bless your stars, you will. You was the first that found me. <laughs> I think it was like seven or nine different names. I only let him call him Jim once. <laughs> Jim. Amazing. <laughs> ah, Horatio. Reginald. Reginald Horatio <laughs> Colin Quinn. Volcana. <laughs> This is why we get Theo to read the mystery meals whenever we can. I'm disgruntled. Butts on trees. Butts on trees. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to more of our stuff. Seriously, just go back and look at anything that's got a mystery meal in it. I love these things so very much. And so will you. Oh, But keep your eyes open. We'll be doing another one uh, come probably the beginning of December. So our Facebook group and our Twitter feeds... Will be full of requests for nouns, adjectives, etc., etc., etc. Parts of speech and the like. So you can chip in. It's loads of fun. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Now, what other things should they do? Send us stuff. We'll get to that. Right. How about go on iTunes? That's always a good thing to do. Yeah. And you know what they can do there? They can leave reviews for us. Five stars. <clears throat> I'm still. I'm still sick. I know, these coughs that we have. Five stars! Oh! Bless you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, go well, sniffly. Head over to iTunes, sneeze on it. <laughs> or don't. Or don't. Just click that fifth star. Because we're nothing to sneeze at. Oh my god, I wish I could go to another promo and make you shut up for a minute. Oh my god, it worked.
Okay, go leave a review on iTunes. Go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash afgrappin. And, you know, consider uh, subscribing to, you know, help fund us. And you get some cool swag and you get to be part of the show. Also go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash themeltingpodcast. You can get some swag there that is not involved in Patreon. So you can get a shirt that says Lexiconosaur or uh, an apron that says Lexiconosaur or a mug that has our pictures on it because it's awesome. Um, also, we have promo, uh, not promos, we have prompts. I'm talking really fast because I have a feeling Aaron's just not going to be able to hold the silence for much longer. Anyway, two prompts open. Prompt number 10, an animal from outside your local ecosystem has entered nature and is breeding uncontrollably. And prompt number 11, the empanadas you just took out of the oven exploded and something alive is emerging. Now keep in mind, we do have open submissions. Send us stuff! Oh, son of a bitch. Send us stuff. You know you want to. Wow, you can talk really fast when you want to. That was fun. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. We should we should do this more often. <laughs> it's rich to see how... Ooh, ooh. You know what else we should do? Oh, God, what? Tongue twisters. Send us tongue twisters. Oh, God, I can't do tongue twisters. Exactly, I'll win. Son of a bitch. Send us tongue twisters and tell us which one of us you want to do them. I will tell you now, I am good at them. You will probably get a lot of fun bloopers out of it, though, because it's us, right? You want me to die, don't you? No. So join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter. Send us. Tweet us right in our group. Send us tongue twisters. Fun things for us to say and points if they're food related. Yeah. For example. Well, should I really show off the main event right now? Well, you know I'm going to go along with you. I know this one. Ready? Best food-related tongue twister ever. It's a warm-up exercise from my theater days, so some theater nerds out there might know this one. If it is, yell it out while we're doing this. Just yell it along with us. We'll hear you. We're that good. Yeah. All right. Ready? Ready? Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter better. So she bought some better butter better than the bitter butter, and she put it in her batter, and it made her batter better. See, I'm better at this. I just meant to, I tried to say better instead of bitter. Like I said, I'm better at this. Your mom's better at this. You're bitter at this. Now that there's butter involved. Tony's not here. They don't know that. That's still funny. By the way, hi, Nick Kelly. Hi, Nick Kelly. Oh. Um, and hi, Teely. Hi, Teely. Speaking of Nick Kelly, I think the next episode might have his story in it. Ooh. We'll see. So keep two ears out for that. Oh, how fancy. I am fancy. But yeah, so we got through prompts. We got through... Did our promo. Patreon and Spreadshirt and iTunes and... And you got through it all by yourself, and I didn't have to say any of it because I was silent? I didn't get to finish telling them about the open submissions. Open submissions. Send us stuff. Sound like Aaron? Let me talk. (laughs) Just just sit in the corner and be quiet for a minute. But. 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 This is not Guardians of the Galaxy. It should be. I am Groot. (laughs) No, you are Rocket. I am Rocket. Anyway, open submissions. We can't do this podcast without you guys. And we have been running dangerously low on our main ingredient and stoke the fire stories. Danger. Danger. Material running low. Insert new stories. Thank you. I didn't realize we had that computer. Okay. I'm a computer. So we do have a few episodes of stuff left, which is good, but we always need more. So head over to our uh, prompts page 
grab a prompt, write some flash fiction, 1,500 words or less. If you've got a short story that's no more than 5,000 words that you just haven't been able to find a home for, or if you're a first-time author and you just want to get your feet wet, to get your feet wet, we love new writers. So please go to our submissions page at themeltingpodcast.com slash submissions. You can see all the information you need on emailing us your story. You could be on the show, guys, and it really helps us out. Without you, we don't have anything but just the two of us yakking into a microphone. Yeah, and you know, this podcast was started to pimp other people, to show off other people's work. We didn't just want to do one that featured, you know, all of AF's writing, which we have all written things for the podcast before, Mm -hmm. but we want to show off you guys, and we can't do that unless you what? Send us stuff. I'm send, just giving her a blank stare right now. Says, send us stuff. It's my, yeah, my I, I, thing. I, I it's my catchphrase. Yeah. Balticon 49. Woo! My catchphrase. From, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got I'm going to stop now. Good call. Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. The Melting Podcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. stuff.